0: Welcome to Weaving Your Web, a podcast where we are reclaiming our creative alchemy to find the freedom to weave the webs of our lives from a place of feminine desire, soul truth, and the roaring rivers of wisdom that flow through us all. I am your host, Ashley River, and thank you for tuning in. I hope that this episode helps you to tune into more of your own creativity, medicine, and soul's magic. Hello everyone, I am super excited today to share this episode. It is with my dear friend, Cosmic Soul sibling, Jeff Henshaw of Cosmic Cousins Podcast. Jeff is an intuitive practitioner fusing together over a decade of experience working with tarot, astrology, and somatic healing. Jeff's practice is grounded in reverence for the elements, nature, the earth, and spirit. Jeff offers their unique expertise of ritual, tarot, and astrology to guide others on journeys of self-exploration, transformation, and healing. Today we are talking about all things asteroid goddesses, and we just had two of the asteroids shift signs. We had Vesta moved into Gemini the minute that we hit record on this episode, and then Ceres also moved into Libra. We're also going to be talking a lot about Lilith, which if you follow my work you know that she's a core theme in a lot of the work that I do. So we're talking about Lilith and Leo and just getting into all the current Leo energy that we have. There's a very strong Leo presence right now in the cosmos for us. And the way that I'm feeling this and perceiving this as a Leo moon, someone who has a lot of Leo placements in my chart, is I really see this as the Leo within us wherever we have Leo in our chart even if we don't have an asteroid a fixed star point a planet or anything there you know whatever house Leo is in Lilith and Leo and and all of the energy in Leo right now is really working with freeing our Leo energy And I have been experiencing this as having a lot of Leo clients this year. Since Lilith went into Leo in January, most of the people who have come to work with me are Leos, which I am enjoying so much because there's so much powerful potential for Leo right now. And just really stepping into the higher expression of Leo, freeing the fire of creation, stepping into being seen, And also we connect Leo to the inner child. So I feel that there's a lot of inner child healing that is happening right now. And then especially having all this Leo energy as we enter cancer season. Cancer is the mother. So there's nurturance, you know, a lot of watery healing happening right now with all this Leo energy. The children within us getting free, coming into... Our expression if, and if we connect it to the inner child within us think about you know how you were as a child before someone in your life whether that be a parent or a teacher or just society in general telling you to be quiet or to not express yourself or be smaller don't be seen you're being too loud stop crying you know all the things and this is Leo medicine because Leo is pure courageous bold expression it's playful it's bright it's luminous it's the sun so we have a lot of leo energy very strong this year and jeff and i are going to get into it in this podcast episode and so i encourage you as you're listening to this podcast to just pull up your chart you can do this on astro.com If you don't know how to find your chart on astro.com you go to free horoscopes in the menu and then down to extended chart selection and when you're selecting the chart style you want to just click on the second option from the drop down menu that says with asteroids that way you can see how the asteroids show up in your chart and then you'll be able to follow along with what we're talking about see where these Asteroids um, come up in your chart and the only one that we didn't have time to dive into was Juno which is funny because Jeff and I have Juno both at 28 degrees Capricorn so we connect to Juno a lot together um, within our friendship but Juno didn't get the cut right now <laughs> for the podcast episode but we went into the asteroids that are in the air signs right now and then also the fire signs and we know when we blow air on a fire it, it makes the fire grow Bigger. So there is, you know, a beautiful way that these elements are working together right now. And we're gonna get into that. So I hope you enjoyed the episode and be sure to check out the show notes for all of Jeff's links. Enjoy. Welcome. I am so excited to connect with you and to talk and to talk about the asteroid goddesses. And just for everyone listening, we planned today's call for it to be a Leo moon and the time we planned for it to be when Vesta moves into Gemini. And I feel like that's a good place to start of like just talking about Vesta. What does it mean to have Vesta in Gemini? This is my Vesta return. So I'm feeling kind of excited about that, but you have such a beautiful relationship with all of the asteroids and you know, the asteroid goddesses and how they represent different feminine archetypes in our chart. And I just want to start off with, you know, we're in minute one of Vesta and Gemini. And what does that mean for us?
1: Yeah, we literally pressed record as soon as Vesta entered Gemini. I had the Astro Gold software up. And so this is our honoring of Vesta and Gemini. And Gemini is collaborating with your, your soul twins, your soul siblings and so mm-hmm. it's really it's cool you doing that right now and <laughs> you know I think we actually were like let's meet when the moon is in Leo and we didn't know that that was the day Vesta was entering Gemini and we found that out after I was like oh Vesta's entering Gemini so there's more confirmation I often think of the asteroids like I liken them to cosmic cookie crumbs, like sprinkled in our chart, like they offer so much more magic and vocabulary around the themes that we're interested in because the asteroids connect us to artistry, healership, Mm -hmm. um, connect us to more of our home life, more of our work in the world that us as healers and mystics are connected to. So of course, once you get to know your birth chart adding in the asteroids actually helps to activate and awaken the parts of yourself that you already know about yourself. And so I'm excited to to connect over the asteroids today, particularly with Vesta. And um, for those of you who don't know about the asteroids in your chart, whenever you first learn about them, it really represents a shifting point of consciousness in your life. And so if you've chosen to listen to this episode, it's likely for, a really profound reason around all of these asteroids. So let's start with Vesta then. Yeah. Mm -hmm, Yeah. Yeah. So Vesta getting to know the glyph first and getting to know Vesta as an archetype before layering in the Zodiac sign can be really helpful. But the glyph for Vesta is essentially like, I think of it as like a little fire pit. It's like a wide shaped V and then a smaller V inside of that V with a flame. Uh, So Vesta is the keeper of the flame, is is the temple priestess. And I think of Vesta, the four main asteroids are connected to the four feminine archetypes. And Vesta is the sister. So Vesta is connected to sisterhood, is connected. For me, as a member of the LGBTQ community, I say siblinghood, just because I'm always coming from a non-binary perspective anyway with my astrology practice. So I think of it as sisterhood and siblinghood. And Vesta is also, the four main asteroids are connected to the four corners of your chart. So Vesta is also connected to your Ascendant, a rising sign as well. So, and maybe we'll connect in with the other four points too. Maybe I'll just offer it. Vesta is the Ascendant. Juno, Partnership is the Descendant, Seventh House. Ceres, the Mother, is the bottom of the chart, I see, And then Pallas is... The midheaven being seen in the public for your offering. Um, palace is the is the daughter, Ceres is the mother, Juno is the wife or the partner, and Ceres or Vesta is the sister. So we have I think I
0: love that.
1: You know, is helpful too. Yeah. yeah.
0: I didn't know that about the angles in that way.
1: Yeah. So that's like something that you can do in your chart too. And for you, it's interesting because I know that you do have Palace in the 10th house. Yeah. So palace is at home in the 10th house, but then you have Vesta in the seventh house, which is interesting because Vesta is connected to the rising sign. Yeah. You have it in the seventh house of partnership. So that might also indicate for you in partnership and collaborations, it's important for both of you to have your own self-sovereignty within the relationship because that's what Vesta's about.
0: <laughs> is that not my biggest lesson?
1: <laughs> yeah. And then I'm thinking like, don't you have... Like v- Venus and Aries, or like something in Aries strong. You have Venus and Gemini.
0: Venus and Gemini conjunct my Vesta. They're just a few degrees apart. I think three degrees. And then I have Mercury in Aries. And then I think we found out like Hygiea or another asteroid. I have conjunct my Mercury Aries.
1: And Aries and Aries too. And Aries,
0: yeah, that's what it was. Yeah,
1: it's making me think of some of the Aries part of your chart because Vesta will bring in a little bit of a flame and has that kind of self-sovereign quality Mm -hmm. of fire signs. I mean, Vesta likely will connect us to the fire signs and also to Virgo. Um, Right. Yeah, so earth and fire coming together is Vesta. I mean, you can think of like, we were talking about a chimney earlier. It takes the earthiness of bricks to create a chimney Mm -hmm. that creates the container for the flame. So we can think of the earth and fire element coming together with Vesta. So this is also connecting us to our body.
0: Yeah.
1: Earthiness of our body and the ways in which we might heat up our body, heat up the internal flames, maybe through a physical practice. We're talking about Vesta and the sunrise and the ascendant. Vesta (laughs) wakes up early in the morning tends to the sanctuary or the temple space and then has a yoga practice like this is being vestal is like mm-hmm. lighting the candles lighting the incense making sure the space is tidy and orderly and then having a relationship to your body having a relationship to your mind and to your spirit vesta is the devotion of maybe even soul is a better word body mind soul might feel like yeah. vesta so vesta as an archetype in our world like embodied There's so many different expressions, but one of them that someone that I like to look to for Vesta is the well-renowned athlete, Serena Williams, Mm -hmm. who has moon conjunct Vesta and being an athlete like that, like an Olympic athlete holding a torch, this is Vesta. It's like having a higher calling of service to society that represents something bigger than the self, but it takes the embodiment of the self and the relationship to one's own personal practices in order to then represent something for the greater good, which now we're talking about sisterhood. Vesta is very much invested in the collective as well. And so being associated with the ascendant, it's so much about the self, but the ascendant and the rising sign is also about your relationship to the collective as well and the soul gifts that you have to bring to others. But it first starts with that own relationship to your own self. Mm
0: -hmm. So.
1: Vesta shifting a sign, like it brings these themes up. So if you're a Gemini, if you have Gemini sun, moon, rising, Vesta's coming to hang out with you. And so some of these themes might really be relating to you at this time. Or if you have Vesta and Gemini, you're having a return to some of these soul gifts. So I'd be I'd love to hear your perspective because I'm the image that is coming to mind is. Oracle deck that you created with all these different beautiful images and I'm Mm -hmm. sure there must be some representations of Vesta even in that deck that you created.
0: Well what I'm really thinking about actually is the next book that I'm writing feels very Vesta because it is all about tending to the inner flame and more specifically the flame of desire as like the spark of what allows us to align with our service work, you know, like connecting to divine desire. And so I'm, I'm feeling that with Vesta and then, yeah, connected to Gemini for me, that's my writing and my expression. So I'm really curious how this will manifest. I, I don't know how long, um, how long is Vesta going to be in Gemini?
1: That's a really good question. Um, we'll let's keep talking and then I'll also okay. look at the, the transits too, and then I'll pop um, it in.
0: Because just today, this morning, and I didn't even really think about this, I just did this intuitively, but just today, I put a check on my altar for the manifestation of my uh, book contract that I get with my book. Um, And then my plan for later today is to check in with my agent um, because I hadn't heard from her with, you know, Mercury retrograde. And so following back up and feeling like this Leo season is going to be when, um, I signed my book contract for this next book. And this also came through this week that I think it's going to be a two book deal in the same way. My last one was, which is so Gemini <laughs> and that's mm-hmm. kind of always happens to me. There's always like twin creations.
1: Mm-hmm. And I'm glad that you asked about how long Vesta will be in Gemini because we have a very interesting pattern that's going to allow us to look out into next year of 2024. Mm -hmm. So Vesta will be in Gemini all the way through Leo season and into the first half of Virgo season of 2023. And then Vesta will enter Cancer on September 14th. Mm -hmm. But we're not done with Vesta in Gemini because Vesta will retrograde and go back into Gemini. So Uh we can- of Leo season, first half of Virgo season, we're working with Vesta and Gemini. And so what I'm hearing from you, I'm also relating to as well, because I'm working on writing the guidebook for the Cosmic Cousins Astro Oracle deck.
0: Yeah. So
1: I'm also associating, this as me having more of a devotional practice to my writing. Yeah. Uh, and it's interesting how we are able to communicate about this on your podcast, which feels very Gemini too, and support each other in that endeavor. I mm-hmm. think that having that mutable, mutable quality of socialization is also somehow highlighting the sisterhood or siblinghood aspect of Gemini as well. Yeah. So whatever sign Vesta is in, the Zodiac sign layers in and highlights a part of that, whereas Vesta and Cancer, which is September 14th, might shift the focus more to our home and our hearth versus right. the writing so maybe we take a pause and reflect on what we've written mm-hmm. um and maybe it's not just writing there's a lot of other gemini themes but we're using that as an example right now yeah so then vesta will be in cancer throughout the autumn mm-hmm. and then actually write a vesta will station retrograde at seven degrees of cancer and the moon is in cancer that day i love how astrology does that this is on november 2nd in scorpio season mm-hmm. so it's also cool how it's a water sign And it's Scorpio season, moons in Cancer, Vesta stations retrograde, November 2nd. And then we will see Vesta re-enters Gemini right around the winter solstice, which is cool because we're recording this right here around the summer solstice. It's the day after, June 22nd. So the exact day that Vesta will re-enter Gemini is on December 20th, and the sun will be at the the final few degrees of Sag, which means Vesta and Gemini 29 degrees sun at 28 degrees Sag they're in opposition to each other so there's an echoing to the end of Gemini season this year and the end of Sag season, and the Galactic Center is also at 27 degrees of Sag. So it's Vesta and Gemini opposite the Galactic Center in Sag. And so I'm like, oh, wow, this is like very supportive of me, like putting out a Cosmic Cousin Vest or Oracle. I,
0: know. I was thinking about that, how, because of what you shared me about your dates, that this is probably the time that people will start to be using the deck and, and getting it, and, you know, in the mail. And mm-hmm. so that's cool.
1: Yeah. Gemini is the male. And then Uh Gemini is also like, maybe people are like, Oh, I want to wake up early and pull a car from this deck. You know, like Uh that's a way that that might manifest, but that's retrograde in Gemini all the way to, um, let's see here, all the way back to 21 degrees of Gemini and actually station direct Around my birthday and Aquarius season on February 13th, Festus Stations Direct. And then we'll complete her time in Gemini um, by the spring equinox. um, We
0: wow.
1: nec- enter wow. Cancer. Um,
0: so she's really with us in, in Gemini for a bit.
1: For sure. Yeah. And I love that she dips into Cancer and maybe. Mm-hmm. Says, well, let's, let's take a break and get in the bath and then we'll go back to. Yeah.
0: And almost like I, well, now that you're doing the Zodiac emoji project and which anyone who doesn't know what I'm talking about can go check out Jeff's Instagram. He created this project. It's a community voted project to find the most soul aligned emoji to go with each sign. And my pick for Cancer Zodiac Emoji is actually the one that you posted and it was the nesting dolls. And ever since that emoji came to my awareness, I'm thinking about cancer in a different way and I'm feeling this like ancestral, deep devotional connection. And so I feel that for me when when Vesta moves into cancer, I was actually planning in the fall of maybe going on a, ancestral pilgrimage and just, but isn't that crazy and i was thinking because when that came through i was like oh this is where i want to go take the photos for my book and and really tune into the land and write what needs to come through wow
1: so yeah you take a maybe a little break from the writing process to go on this this journey which i think vesta also can connect us to these kind of soul journeys too right vesta being connected to the fire signs does have that quality of wanting to learn from other cultures, which is Sagittarian, having a sense of self-sovereignty, which is Aries, and also boldly stating one's truth, Leo. I mean, Vesta has all of these fire sign qualities, but I love thinking about the Vesta and Cancer transit as a time where you may be potentially going on this this ancestral journey. Mm
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. I got the chills when you said it so <laughs> it's just investing. Like, cool yeah.
0: I love that. So what can Vesta and Gemini look like for us like as a collective? We kind of zoom out there.
1: Yeah, I I think collectively there's going to be opportunities for us to to gather with one another. Um this happened a few days ago. So Vesta wasn't quite in Gemini yet, but Vesta was at the final degree of Taurus. And I, for the first time I've lived in Portland for three years, I just hit my three year anniversary. I'm in Portland, Oregon. And for the first time in three years, I met up with a group of about 15 other Portland based astrologers.
0: Wow. And,
1: and that hasn't happened the whole time. Saturn was in Aquarius that didn't happen because you know, Saturn and Aquarius from a very practical standpoint was social distancing.
0: Yeah.
1: And it's kind of taken the sun to kind of come up into this, this side of the wheel where it's in cancer, move through Gemini. And now there's so much Leo that for the first time since I've lived here, people are starting to socialize. And so I think for me, Vesta and Gemini might bring a little bit more reverence to our Gemini connections. Mm -hmm. Uh, for me, it's like yes, I, I'll I'll gather with others, but maybe it needs to feel a little bit more devotional. So, an right. example like this evening, I'm actually gifted myself a sound healing session with another queer healer in Portland, and that feels very Vesta and Gemini, where it's like yes, let's socialize and connect and. Can we both be in our own self-sovereignty? You Mm -hmm. share your gifts with me. So this might offer you some more perspective and things clicking place around Vesta and Gemini in your own chart where you're like, oh, in order for me to be in rightful relationship with others, Seventh House, we need to both be sharing our devotional gifts, Vesta. Like there could be a quality like that. That's mm-hmm. maybe that aspect of you. Maybe that's not true for all the other placements in your chart, but yeah, maybe for Vesta and Gemini it is. And I love that Vesta's with Venus in your chart too, which is so important for you as a Taurus sun.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I really feel it. I I really felt it when we had Mars and Gemini, and you had given me all the dates around when Mars and Gemini was gonna hit my Vesta. And going to hit my venus and there it was like retrograde so it hit it a couple times cuz we had that long um that was last time we were together when mars was in gemini um and i felt it as you know really creating a healing for me of, around what communities am i devoted to what spaces am i devoted to and where am i like putting my devotional energy to others and there was sort of a relationship shift that was really being created for me um, around needing that reciprocal devotional element in order for me to share my gifts and my medicine.
1: And I think when you ask collectively how we might feel these shifts, I think it's important to just note that maybe the Asteroids don't really speak to like the current zeitgeist or the current culture as much as like Venus might. I
0: think
1: asteroids speak more to people who are doing healing work. Uh, So it might relate more on our like inner circles and what we sense going on in our more immediate communities, which uh, inner circle and immediate communities are also very like Gemini keywords too. Right. But that's that's kind of how I've noticed the asteroids, that I don't sense them as much collectively, although they can, particularly if they're interacting with other planets. So an example of this, and this one is an example that collectively we all felt it. So that's why I want to give it an example. But Saturn and Pluto aligned in Capricorn in January of 2020, and that was right at the beginning of COVID-19. I'm giving that as an example because Saturn and Pluto are these outer planets that represent big societal shifts. But also if you have the asteroids on that Saturn-Pluto conjunction, Ceres was also right there with Saturn and Pluto. And Ceres is the asteroid of transforming grief through the loss of innocence, Mm -hmm. through nurturance and healing. And so there was something in that conjunction and with the start of COVID-19 that was also around the grief of motherhood, the grief of the loss of a child or the loss of innocence and how we might channel that into our work, into our offerings in some sort of way. So I I don't know that everyone is like attuned to the asteroids, but yeah. if you're listening to this, you likely are. And so yeah. I think they're allies for us to help navigate more of the Patriarchal archetypes, which are, I mean, honestly, like once you add in the asteroids, you're like, wow, Jupiter is actually like this patriarchal figure because all the asteroids are connected to Jupiter, which I think is just like a kind of nice thing to know. The asteroid belt is found between Mars and Jupiter, and mythologically, they're all somehow linked to Jupiter. So when we say like yeah. Juno, Juno is the wife, we actually are saying, oh, Juno is the wife of Jupiter. You know, like they're connected. Oh,
0: yeah. Oh, that's really interesting. Mm-hmm. Can we move into Ceres? I really I didn't know about Ceres connected to Pluto and Saturn at that time, but that was when I had this vision from the land that I've shared a, a bunch of times now on like various, you know, platforms that I have. I had this vision of because I was I felt something really big was coming. And I wasn't paying so, so, so much attention to what the cosmos were doing at the time. But I felt something really massive was coming. It was January. And I went out to the coast when I was living in Mendocino, and I sat and I was attuning to the land, and I was asking, like, what is this big shift that's coming? And what the land showed me was a mother that was representing me, giving birth, but being told that she was dying. And it was like this initiation into, really really big grief and so now like Ceres connected to the mother connected to grief I'm just having kind of this aha moment yeah. right now
1: yeah it's major and also at that time Jupiter was also in Capricorn just a few degrees away so it was like Jupiter Saturn Pluto and mm. Ceres
0: and wow
1: I say Ceres a lot of times but you're saying it like actually like it's more like Ceres um <laughs> just in case anyone's like Wondering, which is good because sometimes Ceres sounds lame. I didn't even
0: notice that we were saying
1: um, but yes, um in the mythology, Ceres is connected to Jupiter. Jupiter is actually her brother, even though Ceres represents the mother, but Ceres is the mother of Persephone, and Jupiter gave Pluto permission uh, to abduct. Persephone and take her into the underworld. That's one version of the story. There's other versions we can like, maybe Persephone chose to go into the underworld. You know, like there's different ways that we can, either way, um, Ceres is connected to Pluto. She is the earth mother and she's also connected to the underworld in many different ways because of her connection to both Persephone and Pluto. So she can represent in our chart And in transits, where we might be going through a deep grieving process, um, Mm -hmm. but also where we are then going to transform that grief through creative power. Yeah. Um, So the glyph for Ceres is the sickle or the harvesting tool and is connected to Virgo and Scorpio, Um, Mm -hmm. like a co-ruler. I think Virgos and Scorpios look to Ceres to... Deepen their understanding and also to cancer too, which is connecting us to the mother theme. So we have mm-hmm. that kind of beautiful uh sextile of Cancer, Sextile Virgo, and Virgo Sextile Scorpio, and that little triangle that's created. So for those of you with strong Cancer Scorpio Virgo placements, um, getting to know Ceres would be important in your chart.
0: Mm. Yeah, I remember the first time I ever had like a really deep full chart reading in my 20s. And the astrologer talked about Ceres so much, told me the entire story and and started my entire reading off with Ceres.
1: Okay. Well, you do have strong Cancer and Scorpio in your chart.
0: But I, I didn't really connect to Ceres until my moon progressed into Libra because I have Libra Ceres. And so then I became really just, you know, unconsciously, I became so interested in learning about Ceres. And right before that happened, you sent me your Ceres workshop. Oh my God. Yeah.
1: Okay. It's all connecting. And <laughs> I want to add in this, I think when we looked at your relocated astrology,
0: mm-hmm.
1: your, where you're currently living your Ceres and Libra rising. Right. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. So that what that would mean is that at the time of your birth, even though you were born in a different location, Ceres was rising um, where you're currently living. Uh, so that's how relocated astrology can come in and add some, you know, different perspective to Um I love that we can go off like this because some people that maybe aren't as deep into their astrology practice might be like, what in the world are you talking (laughs) about? But we're just gonna launch off into the cosmos together.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I have been really, really working with Ceres because Ceres is in my um, 11th house, I believe, in Libra. And to me, that really shows up as a very deep, Painful sisterhood wound, and I have Nessus right there too, which I sparked you going into a rabbit hole of Nessus. <laughs> You're welcome, but we won't get too much into Nessus today.
1: Yeah, that's another podcast episode.
0: Yeah, so I'm
1: looking at your chart right now, and it's interesting because you have Series like kind of right at the cusp of the 11th and 12th house, she's at the final degree of the 11th house in Libra what's interesting about this is that Ceres just entered Libra yesterday so we had Vesta enter Gemini and Ceres enter Libra so you're yeah. having both your Vesta and Ceres return and it's sort of like you're like hmm, maybe I'll like have conversations Gemini Libra about the asteroids <laughs> it's,
0: like, yeah.
1: it's like the timing of it couldn't be more perfect actually that's funny yeah so yeah Ceres entering Libra. Um, you know, this Libra for sure could be finding relationships that support your grief, having conversations with people. Libra's also a writer though. So this is also, you know, the air signs have so much to offer with their words and their thoughts. So I'm also just, I was tuning into this and I was thinking about how Ceres is going to represent hard work and harvesting and mm-hmm. the sign of Libra is like, harvesting your words and what you're sharing what truth you're putting out into the world and like I'm also utilizing that because Vesta and Gemini is maybe not as hardworking as Ceres and Libra might feel so I'm actually going to be leaning into this um, energy which I'm a Virgo moon so I actually like really as a Virgo moon connect to Ceres because it's about mm-hmm. harvesting yeah Um collectively this would be more connected to social justice too and standing up for particularly mothers series yeah uh, and reproductive rights things like um, around those themes might come up with series and libra
0: creative sovereignty
1: yeah yeah so we have these two asteroids shifting into air signs yeah.
0: i love that so this is a great time for me to be writing basically is what you're saying
1: <laughs> and talking about it on a podcast
0: yeah <laughs> Well, I really want to go into like all this really fiery, powerful Leo energy that we have going on. And I know that Pallas is in Leo, which is another asteroid goddess. And then Lilith also is in Leo. And I'm super tuned in to Lilith. Lilith is going to be in Leo like basically this entire year, like all of 2023.
1: Yeah. And I love that we started with these two air signs, Gemini and Libra, because they both sextile Leo. So actually, Vesta and Ceres and these air signs are really supporting all of the Leo action. Mm. And so it's like what you want to be writing about and creating is the Leo. And then you have these like little helpers of uh, Vesta and Gemini and Ceres and Libra that are serving the Queen Leo, you know? So there's like, That energy that is important for us to connect in, because if we don't, I feel like Leo won't be very happy about it. Because right now, as we're recording this, we have Moon in Leo, Venus and Mars, Black Moon Lilith, and Pallas all in Leo. So there's five planets or luminaries um, or asteroids hanging out in this fixed fire sign. So are you going to put this podcast out like? soon-ish i'm just curious yeah. i mean okay um so it's kind of cool because we're in cancer season but this year this this summer solstice i'm like wow it feels kind of like leo's season like i've kind of had that feeling um because there's just so much leo which i haven't I, felt
0: i was just saying to one of my clients i was like basically it feels like leo season is five months long mm-hmm. like it feels like we're having this very very long Leo season this year
1: yeah yeah and you're speaking to venus being in leo for five months because we get the venus retrograde and so uh, the zodiac emoji project that you were talking about i put it on a pause it started in 2020 and i put it on a pause in gemini season during gemini venus and gemini retrograde um, and now I'm bringing it back three years later. I didn't actually know I was going to bring it back, but suddenly I had this like burst of energy and like excitement to connect with people. And I think for me as a double Aquarius, all of this Leo energy is super activating my Aquarius and the way that I express myself is through community engagement and having conversations with people yeah. and actually hearing what other people want to say. Like my Aquarius feels super activated by all this Leo right now.
0: I love that.
1: Yeah. So for you, I know that you've been connecting in with it a lot. So this is a good opportunity for us to check in with Lilith and Leo and also Pallas and Leo too.
0: Mm -hmm. I woke up and felt a massive shift one day, went to go look at my transits. Lilith moved into Leo. I felt it pretty instantly. I have both moon and Jupiter in the early degrees of Leo. So I had Lilith on my moon in jupiter you know at at the beginning of the year um and i was feeling i mean this is when i decided to leave santa fe i just had this like massive internal like it just started this big internal transformation that i'm still moving through and it feels like a resurrection of my leo energy because being leo moon my Leo is very internal. It's the unconscious part of me. It's the shadow. It's the part of me that comes out of course with my friends, but it's not always the part of me that the world sees and Lilith on my Leo Lilith being like the great fiery liberators kind of what, how I see her as liberating the dark feminine within us, the shadow part of us that wants to be freed and holds the truth of our desires. So all these like desires started to get freed. And a lot of them were around these Leo themes of like stepping into being seen on a greater scale, really sharing my voice in the world, being more expressive, being unafraid to be the really dramatic, intense person that I actually am, that my friends know I am, but maybe not the world knows I am. And and what's really cool is around this time, pretty much all my clients and mentees who started coming to me were also Leo. So, you know, I've had like nonstop Leo one-on-one clients, especially since Venus um, moved into Leo. Um About two thirds of my mentees right now are Leo Sun, which is wild or Leo Midheaven. And I'm I'm just seeing from this perspective as a Leo moon, and the moon definitely like illuminates and reflects, I'm seeing all of the Leo energy getting freed in people.
1: Yeah, it's really interesting. As soon as we started talking about Lilith and Leo, I don't know if you can hear it. I muted myself on this end. Across the street, they started doing like all this like leaf blowing, which is weird because it's not. Autumn I'm like why are you blowing leaves right now <laughs> getting really loud over here like when we started talking about Lilith and Whoa,
0: you can't hear it on this side
1: okay good but I feel a little frustrated right now which I think is a Leo word like
0: mm-hmm. particularly
1: and it's like shadow energy especially like being a yeah. fixed fire sign like a frustration and I'm just sort of like i want to yell at this person to stop anyway <laughs> like I, that's okay it's all a part of it like that. And I, Lilith and Leo, everything that you're talking about, again, this is the way that I'll work with these placements is there's a layering. You get to know Lilith's story first. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And what does Leo highlight, activate, amplify within that story? And so the need to be seen, the need to express oneself, um, these are all part of Lilith's story, but they're amplified with Lilith and Leo. And I love knowing that you have all of these different clients that you're working with right now that have strong Leo energy. Is that something that is true for you always or something that you've been noticing while Lilith has been in Leo?
0: It's definitely been more prominent since Lilith moved into Leo. Absolutely. I mean, I've always had, I tend to have like a lot of Scorpio risings, like a lot of people who reflect my signs but I pretty much only have Leos and Tauruses right now. Like, There's not a lot of variety in my clientele. Well,
1: Lilith, Black Moon Lilith, I do like for you as a Scorpio rising, I think that is definitely an archetype that you are more attuned to. I think Black Moon Lilith connects us to Scorpio and Cancer in my own practice. that it's connected to the moon. So I think that's a great place to kind of start to develop a relationship astrologically with Lilith is to note that Lilith actually isn't a planet. Yeah. Lilith is the dark side of the moon's orbit. So the, the orbit of the moon is kind of shaped like an egg. And so when we get to that, like oblong part of the oval this is where Lilith is represented. And so it's where the moon almost escapes from the gravitational pull of the earth, but then is brought back in. And so it represents, it's this actually dark void point in many ways that's connected to the shadowy side of the moon. And so I often think of with Lilith, the high priestess in the tarot that sits between two columns, one's white, one's dark, and this is your moon sign and your Lilith sign. They these are the two columns. So Black, Black Moon Lilith. Lilith does form a relationship with the moon in your chart in some way, like they're speaking with each other. Mm. And so, I know for you, Leo Moon, but then you have Lilith and Satch. So you have these two fire signs. So that would offer you just a deeper way to meditate on it. So while Lilith is in Leo, yes, it's hanging out with your moon and Jupiter and is forming a trine at some point to your natal Lilith, and so I think that that might be a really like pivotal moment of liberation for you when Lilith trines your natal Lilith.
0: Wow!
1: I, I know off the top of my head that you have Lilith at the final few degrees of Sag, so it'll twenty-nine be, degrees. Yeah, because the Galactic Center's hanging out with your Lilith. So yeah,
0: this is my favorite placement in my chart
1: yeah it's cool to even just think of Lilith representing this kind of like void energy that's aligned with the cosmos, the galactic center okay. so to rewind a little bit with the transit Lilith entered Leo on January eighth of twenty twenty three and the moon was in Leo on that day like the, the wow. moon, it's interesting how the moon will be really connected to both Lilith and the asteroids mm-hmm. I. Mean, Um, The day before that, January 7th, the moon and Lilith were in cancer and then they like held hands together into Leo. But Lilith stays in a sign for about nine months is connected to like the human gestation period. And so actually um, Lilith does enter Virgo this year. So Mm -hmm. we have have Lilith and Leo for nine months. And so it's easy to, to remember because, well, if Lilith entered Leo at the start of the year, Then Lilith will enter Virgo um, right after Virgo season, actually. Um, So Lilith enters uh, Virgo. Um, Let me get the exact date. October 3rd of this year, Lilith enters Virgo.
0: Uh, Interesting.
1: Yeah, So, but Venus will still be in Leo then. And then Mm -hmm. Juno will have moved on into Leo by then, too. So we... Yeah, we're definitely like still have some Leo energy that we're working with. And then Venus will leave Leo and enter Virgo um, on October 9th. And both Venus and Lilith will be at the zero degrees of Virgo. And so then the Venus and Lilith line up in the sky uh, this Libra season. Wow. Yeah. So a little forecasting that kind of helps us like for those of us that are maybe more big picture oriented or like goal oriented or just kind of want to know what the year might hold in store for us, that gives us some indicators. And I think the summer solstice is a good time, just like the winter solstice, to kind of check in with these maybe longer term transits so we can just energetically prepare for what's to come.
0: Mm. What about Palace in Leo?
1: Yeah. So let's check in with Palace because I think that that's like really important for us to consider
0: Mm -hmm. having...
1: Lilith and Leo and Pallas and Leo together at the same time um so before we were talking about the four corners of the chart Pallas is connected to the midheaven
0: Mm -hmm.
1: the daughter um Pallas was born from Jupiter's head so is connected to wisdom is connected to what I often refer to as feminine wisdom which is like pattern recognition clarity we're talking like major queen of swords vibes. I also connect the four asteroids to the four queens in the tarot. So Palace is the queen of swords. So wherever Palace is transiting, it offers us clarity and perspective. So it's almost like Lilith and Palace being together. It's like, well, sometimes Lilith transits we're not actually very aware of unless... You're Ashley River, who is like very connected to Lilith always. Uh-huh. But like, it might not be like intellectually tuned in to Lilith, but Palace, being in the same sign as Lilith is saying, no, I'm getting very clear on Lilith in my life right now. I understand the patterns, which is Palace, mm-hmm. about Lilith and Lilith transits. And so if if you were interested in actually like mapping out Lilith transits, this is palace palace likes to map out like the last nine years. Lilith takes nine years to go around the Zodiac palace and Leo wait, Lilith and Leo is like, why don't we do this as like this activity for understanding, you know, palace is understanding Lilith. Let's map out the last nine years. Let's map out the next nine years. Palace gives us that big picture, objective perspective. You'll notice palace is highly attuned to like, libran energy our aquarian energy is connect mm. truth the sword big picture perspectives also has a bit of an activist flair to her too she is a warrior um so palace is also about big societal justice like things like reparations or social justice and equality for all people these are also some like very like big picture palace themes but it's the ability to have pattern recognition, you know, and it's going to manifest differently in everyone's chart. But my tagline I use for palace, which I know that you enjoy is piercing through the veil of illusion. I love it. Yeah. And that word piercing, I've actually seen when palace is in the earth signs is very much connected to people who are offering piercings or any kind of like, you know, tattoo ceremonies, soul tattoos, which you have, palace and virgo which in your 10th house which we've talked about as perhaps being an expression of your soul tattoo offering
0: it's so cool i have really fallen in love with palace because of you it started with that because how i talk about soul tattoos is like when we're piercing the skin we're piercing the veil of illusion and then when you told me about palace in my 10th house and, and associating that piercing the veil of illusion with palace i was like Oh my goddess! This is this is it. This is what I do. And then Virgo being the the body. So and
1: I'm also thinking like, ooh, Pallas and Lilith together in Leo. I don't necessarily want to share about what you've done with your body, but if you feel open to it, you could share the tattoo that you got this year.
0: Oh yes, yeah, so. When I was transitioning from Santa Fe to move to California, it was my solar return. And I had this strong knowing that when I landed in California, it was going to be very important for me to mark my feet, to tattoo my feet. And so I kind of had that in the back of my mind of like, this was really important. And, you know, in my own practice with soul tattoos, that's kind of how it works for me is like, I'll know the body placement first. Like I'll feel... the the energy in my body calling forth a medicine, and then maybe I'll sit in meditation to receive it or it will come through in a dream or or something else. And I kind of set it aside, but I had a really hard time. I had kind of a crash landing, which I'll talk about on the podcast at some point, but I had kind of a crash landing coming to California and it was really hard for me to like root here. And I'm still, you know, really grounding and, and rooting in, but I um, started a training with a new apprentice and I was leading her through a journey to receive her own marking that was going to be like her marking as an initiation into this work of soul tattoo alchemy. And I was guiding her and I received this whole medicine journey for myself where I was walking towards a volcano walked up the volcano, descended into the lava, resurrected from the lava. It was very a baptism by fire kind of energy. And when I came out of the volcano and started walking back toward the path, I had fire hair, fire cape dress, fire, my whole entire body was basically fire. And then I had these two markings on my feet and the markings were actually the Aries symbol. And I don't typically I work with astrology in my practice, but I don't work with astrological symbols in my practice. So I was like, "Oh, that's really interesting. I'm having these airy symbols, and they're two airy symbols. They're symmetrical on the top, um the front of each ankle on my feet, and they have a little like dot at the top. So it kind of does look like a torch in a way. But, It's also very interesting that I'm on my Mercury descendant line in Southern California and descendant is like below or the other or relationships. Mercury is expression and my Mercury is in Aries. So there's a lot of like weird kind of synchronistic elements there, but there was this piercing the veil of illusion that kicked up all of these things, all of these energies from past life, old stories, you know, things that I was carrying in my cellular memory and my soul memory around unbelonging of not being able to anchor to a place because of fear. And so these markings on my feet have been really changing my frequency to kind of pierce through that illusion and anchor me in a very fiery way to this land, truly in order for me to share my voice, Mercury, Aries.
1: I love that you're, cause this isn't even, I was thinking more of your Lilith energy.
0: Oh yeah. I did get a Lilith.
1: <laughs> but I love that the Aries came in too, but I was thinking of like palace and Lilith together, like would be a, if palace is tattooing and Lilith is there with Palace. like, I was thinking of, wow, of course, this would be the year that you honored Lilith in that sort of way.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, my, um, one of my apprentices gave me a Lilith tattoo on my arm, and it was the next day after, because when you, especially when you're wearing a, like, animal or archetype, when you're bringing that frequency onto your body, It's really powerful and it can be quite intense because you're having to truly merge with that like animal spirit or that archetype, that entity. And the day after I got my Lilith tattoo, which is on my arm, and it has one of my favorite poisonous plants like wrapped around her body. The next day is when I decided I'm leaving Santa Fe and I I immediately went and got boxes. I started packing my house. It was wild.
1: I'm wondering if Lilith and Pallas were there with your Leo moon at that time.
0: Mm-hmm. I think Lilith was exact more like in the middle of February and this was February 24th.
1: Yeah. Either way, but... they're all co-present in the same sign as your own right. Leo. And yeah. So when you're talking about the lava too, and this like fire hair and fire dress. It made me think of um, Hunger Games, which we've just been a very Leo kind of playful way. of have been talking about like actual celebrities and movies and things like that. So this is another expression of Leo. And we are talking about how Leo, like watching a a movie about a hero who actually happens to be a Leo. Jennifer Lawrence is actually a Leo in, in real life with a Sagittarius rising. So there's like the bow and arrow this hero's journey and seeing someone else on stage uh, perform or act helps Leo to connect to the inner hero, the, the inner journey that's going on and can help to develop confidence. And also just having archetypes to work with to inspire oneself and to step up into one's power is very Leo and it's also playful, like to be able to watch a movie and like lounge with like a candle lit and like I also think of Leo like lounging too so <laughs> there's a lot of you know complexities to this archetype but um yeah I'm I'm probably gonna watch the whole Hunger Games series this summer to honor all this Leo energy.
0: <laughs> now you got me watching it for the first time I'm on the third one.
1: Yeah and I think the if you haven't seen it the first Hunger Games Katniss comes out in a fire dress like the dress is like made of flames so it's really good Leo inspiration and maybe you have your own movies that you connect to Leo energy another one we were talking about is um, Queen of Leo Viola Davis is um, and The Woman King which we saw together last year when you were visiting me in Oregon mm-hmm.
0: yeah yeah I've been thinking a lot about how How important it is to have Leo storytellers on stage storytelling and how many, you know, I think about Leos as like the high expression of Leo energy is so courageous, so vulnerable, so confident, you know, ruled by the heart. There's this like regal courage, like I will stand up for you and protect my kingdom kind of energy. But in the low expression, I think Leo can be like the most insecure sign. There's like a deep, deep fear of being seen. And I really connect that to just, you know, our collective like judgment imprint and how many children get told like, oh, be quiet. You're too loud or you're taking up too much space or don't be so dramatic. These are all things I got as a Leo moon growing up.
1: <laughs> when I and- think of the shadow of the sign... I like to think of a spectrum where the pendulum swings one way or the other. And so to add some vocabulary around that, there can be Leo and its deficiency, which is what you're speaking to. And there can be Leo and its excess. And so when we're talking about Leo and the connection to the heart, the deficiency would be protecting the heart, rounding the shoulders, you know, like, so you can actually embody that and feel what it feels like to round the shoulders, guard the heart. This is shame. This is like, don't look at me. I don't want to be seen. I don't want to take up space. That's the deficiency of Leo. The excess of Leo is the opposite where you draw the shoulder blades back so much together that the chest protrudes out and you walk in the room chest first, (laughs) the excess of Leo. And that actually is, maybe taking up too much space and being boastful and prideful. So kind of pay attention to the area of the heart and the relationship to the spine. Leo's the heart and the spine all the way up towards the back of the neck and up to the crown. Leo's the crown chakra too. So the heart, the spine, the crown, and of course the hair is also Leo. And when I think of this playful story that we're bringing in the hunger games Katniss as a figure is standing up for her kingdom, but it's not hers. It's like the people that she loves. And she like volunteers as tribute for her younger sister. And there's a sense of like protecting what she loves. And I think that what is, what is interesting is the more you get to know the story, she then becomes like this figure, which connects us to Aquarius as like the revolution. Like she becomes like, and she didn't mean to be, she was just standing up for who she loved and who she wanted to protect. But it spoke so deeply to the collective Aquarius that she then became this like revolutionary figurehead, which Leo's can also do. And then this is where Leo just also needs to be mindful is that, well, now all of a sudden she's a celebrity and mm-hmm. she can get really in, in like intoxicated by the, The power that comes with that, or the fame and the recognition that comes with that. And maybe then starts to become just like the others at the Capitol and becomes, you know, like hoity toity, like wearing, like expressing her fashion in certain ways. And it's like, no, it's important for Leo to remember like their roots and where they came from and not to get distracted and pulled into the fame and the recognition, but that you're doing it out of love and boldness. That is somehow connected to the collective, but we need Leos to break themselves free from the chains of shame that bind them because we need these leaders. And I think this speaks so much to how Lilith and Pallas both being in Leo while Venus and Mars are in Leo is just, again, adding an extra cosmic cookie crumbs of like, hello, are you paying attention to Leo right now? We need this right now.
0: Yeah. And this is what I've been working with, with all my clients that have this Leo energy. And in myself, I felt more shame this year than I have in a really long time. And it's like really connecting me to working with Lilith and Leo of like, how does my Leo energy need to be freed? What are, what needs to be sort of burned away? And that's me like getting baptized by the, by the lava right now, but I've been really working with my clients of like, you know, going to the, the roots of that shame and how can we create space for your Leo expression to, to be freed?
1: Yeah. I'm very, I'm interested to check back in with you when Lilith trines your natal Lilith, just being in fire signs and how this will likely be, I think I said before, but like a very like freeing expansive time.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So
1: mm-hmm. it's really cool to check in with all this Leo energy. Um, I feel activated by it and a little like hot and bothered.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I know. I feel like we're having like the Leo's that I've been working with. There's been this strong call to like, you know, for them to create community spaces or start a YouTube channel or, you know, step into performing. Like there is this big call out for Leos right now. And I think it's going, cause I think about Leo, you know, Leo is so connected to our culture, especially because we live in such like a celebrity performance. You know, I'm in LA, I'm like a Hollywood culture. I think all of that feels like very Leo to me, maybe a little bit of the, um, what did you say? It's like too much Leo
1: the excess yeah.
0: of Leo but I feel this like, and we had talked about this before like, celebrity culture beginning to die in a sense. And yeah, I'm feeling Pluto,
1: Pluto yeah. entering Aquarius, like opposing all that, Leo.
0: Right. And so I'm feeling this kind of like death to celebrity culture and this rise to like, the Leo Regal leaders and the Re- the Leo storytellers and the people who truly need to be seen in the world who are gonna create massive cultural shifts and cultural healing that, you know, like influencers and celebrities, you know, might not be modeling in the way that we deeply need. Yeah.
1: And it's making me think of, um, again, Viola Davis, who's a Leo sun with an Aquarius moon Big part of why she's someone so cool to connect in with is because the roles that she has taken throughout her career speak to populations of people who are like the unsung hero that really need a platform. And she's been very conscious, which is Leo with her purpose as an actress of what role she's taking and what story she's telling. She never strayed from her own personal purpose, values, vision about Mm -hmm what it is that she was creating and how she was co-collaborating the, the stories that she chose, even like the, like directors she's worked with. And like, you know, she's been very clear on it and she'll let you know. Mm-hmm. I think like when we were talking about like clients who are starting YouTube channels, we feel the aquarium polarity of the internet and connecting to people and how groups are. We need the audience. We need Aquarius in order to be Leo. And mm-hmm for anyone who is resonating with all this Leo energy, has all this Leo energy, I would say, get very clear on what your purpose is. Right. What, like, what is your vision? Is it to be famous? Then maybe like, let's let that go. And like, say what within you wants to come out and how are you utilizing your platform to express these like deeper, more raw parts of yourself, Mm -hmm. whether that's rage Whether that's desire,
0: yeah,
1: like passion and sexuality, like there's a lot in Leo connecting to that, like, true, authentic expression of what wants to come out as part of the purpose. I think with Leo, it can kind of be a little bit primal Leo energy, too.
0: Primal, yeah. I think Viola Davis is such a good Leo expander to look to. And I don't know if we said this, but she was queen of Leo in your zodiac queen project.
1: Uh, so she she's the queen of leo in the cosmic cousins astro oracle deck that's coming out so i'll share about her life and her story in the guidebook and yeah she's a great person to connect in with to connect with yeah, she's
0: a great archetype person you know actual human to look to to see how to embody those true high expressions of leo energy
1: i think that this is really interesting because we were talking about this yesterday over voice memo because we send voice memos to each other a lot Uh, but we were talking about how the queen of leo honoring of the 16 individuals that were chosen to be a part of that project um it was the most competitive like the tori amos fan club like started following me and voting for tori amos and tori amos made it to the final four for queen of leo and so there was like this kind of like interesting like um loyalty yeah. to, to someone who represents something to you. And I remember some people being like, I wasn't actually like tapped into Viola Davis before this. I didn't like it was interesting because when you look at the list of all the Leo people, it was like Jennifer Lopez, like JLo and like um Just like all of like Madonna, you know, Mm -hmm. like just these like powerful Leo figures that maybe you would have thought would have been Queen of Leo but Viola Davis had this, you know, she speaks more to what the collective is moving through at the moment and the kind of leadership that we need and Um, she does have that Aquarius moon that balances all that Leo. So Leo's get to know your Aquarius. And I think with all this Leo going on right now is also leaning into Aquarius too, to offer some balance and support. So like, for instance, if you are feeling the deficiency or excess of Leo, check in with Aquarius and and that can offer some greater insight. And so you're connecting to an Aquarius right now.
0: I am. (laughs) <laughs> so, to offer
1: insights about the asteroids—it's so cosmic. It's like balancing out all that Leo to give us some greater perspective, so that we can understand.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, I have Saturn in Aquarius, also.
1: You do. Congratulations on completing your first Saturn.
0: <laughs> Thank you.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking like Happy Vesta and Gemini. You know, happy series in Libra. You know, there's some air now to support this fire, all this Leo energy. So,
0: right. Yeah. Mm. Well, maybe let's sign off with telling the web weavers that are listening to this podcast what you're sharing right now. How can they work with you? What new projects are you putting out?
1: Yeah, I think the easiest way to get in touch with me, like if you actually want to be like, having leo fun you could be part of the zodiac emoji project on instagram that's happening this summer and into the fall Uh, and so voting happens in the instagram stories and um, i like to engage with people there it's a community project but also if you're looking for more of something to incorporate into your rituals i release a podcast on each new and full moon uh, that connects to both astrology and tarot and spirituality and how they all intersect with one another. And so I also have guests on the show. Ashley's been on the show before, and they range from musicians to healers to artists. And usually the episodes are like deep dives into that particular lunation. So um, that's a good place to just kind of get to know me and my work. And it's my, it's my free offering from my heart to yours that I've, feel really passionate about. And if you feel, you know, called to work with me one-on-one, I also offer readings, astrology and tarot readings. Yeah.
0: Amazing. And astrology mentorship.
1: Yeah. And mentorships. Although I'm a little, I'm a little booked up throughout the rest of the year on that front. Although I might have one mentorship spot left for this fall. So those are usually six months. Um, and I love I love doing deep dive work with people. And then I have the Astro Oracle deck coming out too. Pre-orders will likely open during Leo season. Um,
0: oh, that's soon.
1: Yeah, it might get pushed back to Virgo. We'll see. It's like Leo Virgo season and we'll be pre-orders. And then hopefully you'll have it in your hands by Sagittarius season of this year.
0: I'm so excited. The art is super magical. It just feels so true to you, but it feels I can feel the potency of it. And it's gonna be a really powerful offering for the collective
1: yeah you I mean of course when we were pulling a card for you when you were moving you were literally in your car uh, and I was like texting you I pulled the queen of Gemini Stevie Nicks card for you and I was just like of course as
0: I was listening to Stevie Nicks driving to California
1: (laughs) so and like (laughs) those who know you know that you are connected to Stevie. So that's our queen of Gemini. So if, you, if you're if you like, oh, interesting, I'm a Gemini and I've never really connected with it, but Stevie Nicks is a Gemini, it might shift your understanding of how to work with Gemini energy because I think current pop culture sometimes sells Gemini as a certain way. And I'm interested in continuing to create dialogue around the ways that we feel these archetypes embodying in our lives.
0: Totally. And I think the Zodiac Queen project was so powerful for this. I definitely learned about the highest expressions of some signs that I was a little bit, you know, not really connecting to or not really understanding and just all the synchronicities and connections that were made between the, the Queens. It was so beautiful. Even just seeing like all the fixed Queens and all the mutable Queens Yeah. Can people find that project somewhere, like on your website or anything?
1: I do have it on my website, um, but you have to scroll down to the bottom of the website and then the kind of footers, the footer, you see a link to Zodiac Queens and it has all of the episodes linked where we did the Zodiac Queens project. And I just feel like to close out our time, we need to shout out it's cancer season and Juno just entered cancer too. We didn't even talk about that today. We didn't
0: talk about Juno
1: but um Frida Kahlo is the queen of cancer and um all of this Leo energy is ruled by the sun so it is looking to the sun conjunct Juno in cancer right now mm. I think that that is important to remember about this Leo Stellium action happening that we're still in cancer season
0: right right yeah. I'm kind of bypassing cancer <laughs> a little bit I'm like let's just bring on the Leo season yeah
1: um, So <laughs> yeah
0: well, thank you for being here with me and, and chatting. I One of my favorite hobbies in my life is talking to you.
1: Hey, I love that. <laughs>
0: Thank you for listening to these sacred weavings. I hope they may inspire and empower you to weave the web of your life. You can find more of my work at ashleyriver.co or on Instagram at IamAshleyRiver. The intro and outro music for this podcast is called Dim Light, a song from my friend Haley off of her album Bottom of the Sky, which you can find on Spotify. Definitely give her music a listen. It is so beautiful. Please also consider subscribing, rating, and leaving a review to this podcast and sharing it with anyone you feel may resonate with the wisdom here. For the more threads we have consciously weaving, the more change we can reweave throughout this world together.